Welcome to Waterbrook Church, located in Victoria, Minnesota. This Sunday's sermon is entitled, One Holy Happy Obsession. In Philippians 3, 12-16, the Apostle Paul continues to express his singular vision for his life in Christ. He wants everything that Christ has secured for him. The joy and passion of the Apostle's life is not the legalism of his former religious life. It's exploring and discovering the depth and the riches of the grace of Christ in his life. Don't we all want that as Christians? What if we approach our life as believers as a discovery of the depths and delights of God's grace for us? Well, we can. Let's worship together. How are you? Isn't it true that um, we're just kind of in a, in a, in a week-by-week feeling of unsettledness and chaos? Uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday or Friday, my daughter called from Toronto and she had gone to Costco, and she goes, I don't know what's going on, Dad, but it's going crazy again. And the toilet paper hoarding was starting up again, just ramping up. So I don't know if it's coming here, but just so you know, don't go to Toronto if you need TP. Um, she, she goes, you know, because they're, they're always, they're a little stricter up there, so they're adjusting things. So she just, she was just going to, to pick up something and thought, uh-oh, here we go again. And don't you have that feeling all the time, uh-oh. Here we go again. We, we live in a kind of unsettled, per, perpetual, unsettled state. And uh, one of the things is that this COVID thing can be a situation where you and I um, are, are getting a little taste of what it's like for most people all the time. Uh, we, uh, Paul prayed for um, uh, refugees. You know how many millions of refugees there are around the world who are just constantly in flux, constantly shifting their lives. And so as we're living in this unsettledness, I think what it's really important to do pastorally and congregationally is come back to the word and remind each other of the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded that he is Lord. One of the things, the question I want to ask you this morning in a time of medical health chaos, in a time of moral and political craziness, in a time of general flux and instability, are you thriving spiritually? Are you thriving spiritually? You don't have to answer yes, by the way. I'm not, I'm not actually expecting you to say yes. What I would say is, for a lot of people as I'm interacting with them, they're struggling. They want to be walking close to the Lord. They want to be feeling hopeful as they ought to be. But the truth is that when we're under pressure and when there's difficulties, we can easily find ourselves on edge, in conflict, easily agitated with one another, easily agitated with one another. And when we come to the book of Philippians, those of you who have been around as we're studying it, one of the things that stands out for us is Paul is in prison and he's thriving. The Philippians are not in prison and they're not thriving. That's the point of this letter. He's writing to them outside of prison. They're outside of prison. He's inside of prison, and he's telling them, I'm going to tell you that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Rejoice in the Lord always. He writes them and tells them repeatedly, you know what? The gospel is advancing because of my imprisonment. And he writes them not to give a super, um, ultra-religious, arrogant, speak-down-to-you letter, but rather to say, 
I need to tell you as people under pressure. And there was some division at the church between some of his friends in Philippi. And that's what happens. Conflict arises. You know how tenuous political opinions are right now, how tenuous um, people's opinions on how to handle, not handle COVID, masks and all. You know how easily it is for conflict to arise? Well, there was persecution in the church at this time and, and, and alienation had arisen. And the Apostle Paul was writing to them saying, you need to understand that this is actually the environment in which God loves to work in his people and through his people. So can I say that for you this morning? Can I just recalibrate you this morning through the Word of God? My dear friends, God is not surprised at what's happening in America right now. And Jesus is not asleep. And the kingdom of God is not about to fail. And you, in your circumstances, if you are a child of God, are not outside of His view, and neither are you outside of His sovereign, effectual purpose to make you who he intends you to be. So that's what he's writing here. But let me reiterate something and then ask you to look at a couple of things. The question is this morning, are you thriving in a time of chaos? It's okay to say no, right? Are you thriving in a time of chaos? And Paul, as he's writing this letter, says in the section that Colton just read, I want you to know I'm not there yet. Doesn't that help you to read that from the Apostle Paul? I haven't quite achieved it yet. I'm on my way there. So he's not speaking down as he's saying someone, you know what, I've got it, I've handled it all, it's all in my court. What he's actually saying is, thank God Jesus is at work in me and in you in this. Are you not glad for that? That he's at work? So I'm going to show you a couple things from this passage of Scripture that helps us to seek by God's grace to thrive spiritually. I'm going to give you three principles out of this text. I hope they're really clear so that you might understand what Paul's saying here that ought to encourage them. So look at, look at uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Let's work our way through the text. Paul says this in this passage of Scripture, verse 12. Not that I've obtained it uh, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Isn't that good news? So he hasn't arrived yet in his own progression as a believer. He's not claiming that. As he says, I want to know Christ in the previous verse. I want to know the power. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Guess what? I'm not there yet, but I'll tell you where I am. I am in the hand of Jesus Christ. I'm in his hand. He has taken hold of me. So the first truth that you and I need to see here that he's talking about is that we have been apprehended by Christ. That's the language. He's, the word here says he's taken hold of us. Every Christian is first taken hold of by Christ before we take hold of Christ. You understand that? So every Christian would testify that Christ has apprehended us. That he has tracked us down, the hound of heaven, and he's come to get us and make us his own. That's the story of the gospel. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Isn't that great news? And so as we're talking about 
making our way and thriving, whatever thriving means, we're going to talk about that in a second, but thriving in a time of difficulty and chaos, what you and I need to see is it starts out with this, that the Christian life is not my attempt to earn the favor of Christ. I, if I am in Christ, I'm already in his favor. My Christian life is exploring the favor of Christ. Exploring the favor of Christ. That's what Paul's saying here. I press on to know, right? I press on to lay hold of the word. Paul uses it in the Greek, repeats it, that I take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. So I want you to think about what this means for Paul. Paul, as he's writing this letter, has in his mind, Christ has tracked me down. Do you remember the story of Paul? Right? Do you remember that? Was Paul looking for Jesus? Was Jesus looking for Paul? He was looking, at, looking for him. And I hope some of you, when you hear Paul say that, it automatically takes you back to how you came to Christ. So I'm going to read to you my favorite guy, Spurgeon. You know, he's been dead for a long time, but he's, he's a great preacher. He can find things in the text I can never find, but... Um, these are really good. Anyway, I used to, when I was up in Canada, I would do Sunday evenings. I would take Spurgeon sermons and then rewrite them in, in modern language and preach them. And people would love to come and hear them rather than hear me. <laughs> I, I said, okay, I'm going to do it tonight. I'd change it and we'd ha- hear these. But listen, listen to what he says. At his conversion, Paul had been apprehended by his Lord. Take the word apprehend in the sense, that's what Spurgeon says, of arresting him. You ever been arrested? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand because I'm sure some of you have. The king sent no sheriff's officer to arrest him. The king came himself. Remember that? Paul on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Is Jesus you are persecuting The king came. So the king sent no sheriff's officer to arrest him. He came himself, took him into divine custody, laid him by the heels for three days in the dark. So for three days, Paul was blind till uh, Ananias came, uh, uh, sent by God. And then he led him out into glorious liberty. So I'll tell you something. Paul was deeply religious, but he was never free. He was always trying to earn the favor of God. Does that describe you at all? Have you lived your religious life trying to get into that place where I feel like I'm accepted by God? And it feels like somehow I'm trying to chase after Jesus and lay hold of Jesus. And that can click in when you're under times of turmoil right now. In times of turmoil and hardship, we can kind of get unsettled. We can be struggling relationally. And then we kick in the religious gear, hoping we could somehow adjust our standing with God so we can get the sun shining on us again. Doesn't that feel good? Those of you who are in the sun. We want the grace of God to flow. And we start to get in our minds the idea that the Christian life is me trying to get a hold of Jesus. Jesus, help me. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus, come and and be merciful to me. What we need to understand is while we pray many of those prayers, the starting point is not me trying to get a hold of Jesus. It's me realizing Jesus has already got a hold of me. He's apprehended me in salvation. So that's the fact of appreh- apprehension. 
every believer has been taken hold of by the hound of heaven. Hunted down. You know, just think about it. He chose us before the foundations of the world. He took on our humanity, was born in human flesh, entered in in order to die our death, rose and ascended to heaven, and then sent the the hound dog of the Holy Spirit to hunt us down. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit comes after you? Aren't you glad that he doesn't let you go? Now, that's the fact for Paul, but it's also the force. Now, what I, what I want you to see is that Paul knew that when Christ apprehended him, he didn't apprehend him. When Christ laid hold of him, he didn't lay hold of him just to hold him up by the scruff of his neck. He says... He laid hold of me for a purpose. I want to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. So Paul's got it clear in his mind that there was a reason why Christ rescued him. Does anybody remember what Paul said to Timothy? Why did Christ rescue Saul of Tarsus? He said, this is a trustworthy saying deserving full acceptance Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners. And Paul said, I am the the chief. I'm the worst. He was probably the highest, most religiously devout man in his day in Israel in terms of his loyalty and his zeal. He just described all of that. And he said, if you took all of my religion and stacked it up, I was the worst of sinners. Why was I the worst of sinners? Because I was arrogant and self-righteous and I didn't think I needed a savior. And God saved me in my pride. In fact, he said, I was so zealous, I was a persecutor of the church. I was hunting people down. And God saved me to make it abundantly clear that God is patient towards sinners. And so what he did is he commissioned and he sent Paul out with this goal, with this calling, with this purpose I'm going to put it, I'm going to use a word I, I hate, I, I want to use it carefully because it sounds like all the health and wealth preachers out there, but Paul knew that he had a God-given de- destiny in Jesus Christ. Is that okay to use that word? Right? I'm not talking about prosperity and health. In fact, it was prison. And when, when Ananias came to Paul in Acts chapter 9, sent by God, to heal his eyes after his encounter with Jesus, after his conversion, Ananias was told by God, go to Saul of Tarsus, told him where to go in Damascus. He said, go to him because I must show him how much I must what? Suffer for the sake of the gospel. That was Paul's destiny. Now, how many of you want that destiny? Let me just tell you, that is your destiny. Right? If you want to be my disciple, you must... Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. But what Paul understood when he was in prison, and this is what you need to see. Paul was not sitting in prison doing the bargaining deal with God. God, if you get me out, I'll be a, I'll be a good little apostle. God, if you set me free from prison, as you read through Philippians, what the apostle Paul is saying is, this is my destiny. My destiny is to testify to the Roman leadership that's pulling me in. You read the book of Acts, it's fabulous in terms of who get, Paul gets to preach to. He says, my destiny is in my chains and through my suffering to announce to these people that Christ has set me free. That's my destiny. And so he looks at it 
and he sees that this has been sovereignly ordained. He's been apprehended in order to fulfill a calling, which is to tell people who have apprehended him that they're enslaved to sin and need freedom in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something about the state of America right now? Okay, I didn't get a response, so I won't. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm going to tell you this little truth about the state of America. The state of America is the perfect environment right now for the church to declare Jesus alone saves. We have been appointed for this hour to declare to this nation with its chaos and its violence and its injustice and all the opinions that are going on and all the fear and the economic turmoil. He will shake it all, but he is a foundation which cannot be shaken. You got that? That's our destiny. Our destiny is not to say, God, just get us out of all the turmoil. It says, give us boldness. That's what they prayed in Acts. Give us clarity. Give us conviction. This is the hour for which the church exists. I am so excited about the, the time we're in right now because Christ has ordained it, and he has called us to be the church at this hour because the world needs to hear Christ is king. They need to hear that. So that's the first thing. The intentional and effectual apprehending of Christ, of his people. Here's the next thing I want you to see in this text. The intentional and effectual upward call of God. So if you look at Philippians chapter 3, in the next section, the Apostle Paul says here in verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What image is brought to mind when he says those words? Right? It's, a, it's, the, it's the Olympic athlete running for the prize. You ever seen the end of the 100 meter dash? What are they all doing? No, they're all looking back at the starting blocks, right? They're all going... Man, didn't I come out of the blocks great? Have you ever seen those races where the guy thinks he's made it to the finish line and he's not at the finish line yet? That happens, right? You run a Can you imagine running a marathon and then losing track of where you are in the last 100 meters? Oh, sorry, that's Canadian, 100 yards. I'm not sure what. Right? Can you imagine being in that situation? No, what he says is we throw our arms back. We press our chest out. We're going to cross the line. That's what Paul says. I am in. That's what I'm doing. I'm not there yet. I haven't hit the finish line. But this is what I know, that God has called, given me an upward call, the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. That's what I press on for. Let me ask you a question. What are you pressing on for? What is the upward call of God? Well, on the horizontal level, we're on mission. On the, on the vertical level, on the upward level, God has called us into conformity with Christ, right? And in with communion with Christ. He says, I, in the previous verses, I want to know who? Christ. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Can you pray the prayer in the middle of the COVID crisis? In the, middle, in the, in the next 100 years, the next month is going to feel like 100 years in some ways, 
of political noise. In all of that's going on, can you say, I have one goal, God. Whatever you want to do, you do. But I want to know Jesus. I want to live in such a way that I know his power. I want to live in such a way that I know his forgiveness. I want to live in such a way that my communion with him is deepened. I know that I'm not there yet, but I'll tell you this. I'm not going to live in the glory days of yesteryear. So some of you don't realize this, but 20 years ago, this church was planted by these people right here, right? This is the 20th year anniversary. This spot where we're meeting outside, there was no building. They, that's, we, that's when we started outdoor services. 20 years ago, right? And there's a sense in which we stop and thank God for his faithfulness. There's a sense in which we look back and say, hasn't God been good to us? Has, hasn't God been good to you? I mean, there's a perpetual looking back to Calvary. Hasn't God been good to us? When we sing that Christ died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the dead and he's, he's risen and ascended to the right hand and now perpetually the God-man intercedes for us. Aren't you glad Jesus is praying for you right now? interceding for you right now now we look back and we give thanks but we look forward because there's deeper communion everlasting communion eternal communion my dear friends the glory has yet to become we have tasted of it but we've only tasted in part we look through a glass what darkly but one day we will see face to face what should we be praying when we're in times of unsettledness? That what we shouldn't be praying is simply, God, would you remove the unsettledness? We should say something like this. Don't remove any unsettledness. If removing that unsettledness lets me go on without Jesus. Don't, don't solve the American economic system if it leads me to go back to self-sufficiency and independence. Don't clear up COVID so I can forget that I am mortal and I will one day stand before God. Does that make sense? What we ought to be praying, what Paul is praying here deeply is I haven't got there yet, but this is what I know. And so here's what you and I need to understand here when he says I press on. Perfection is not what God requires of us. It's what God produces in us. Got that? What am I doing right now? I'm not trying to perfectly handle COVID in the American system. I want to. But God isn't sitting there up in heaven where I'm going, God, if, if America gets its act together, will you bless us? If, if, the, if, I, if I do my devotions every day for a week, will you give me that job I've been looking for? That's, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not trying to say, if I do this, then you'll do that for me. What am I doing? I'm saying this, that Christ has already paid for all my sins. I'm holy and righteous in Jesus, and I want to possess what I have been given in Christ. It is a process. So you know what God's doing through COVID? He's sanctifying his church. He's making us holy. He's getting us on our knees. He's humbling America, isn't he? I hope he is. He's producing those things in us that our comfort and self-sufficiency would never produce. So what do we pray? God, keep me getting nearer 
and dearer with Christ until I show up not at a better America, but when I show up in a new heaven and a new earth where there'll be no more COVID, no more funerals without people there because there's no more funerals, no more tears, no more sickness, no more crime, no more death, no more racism, none of it, all things new. Are you looking forward to that day? So that's what we're looking for. Now here's, here's where I want you to look at this text at the very end. Go to Philippians 3 and let me show you what Paul says here. He says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. It's an interesting statement here, but this is the last thing I want you to see in this text. That, that what we can be assured of is the patient and progressive revelation of God by the Holy Spirit. So if you go to this text, it's very Trinitarian, if you think about it. Because in the first text, he says that we have, in Christ, been apprehended. Christ has apprehended us and given us a purpose. Then it says that God has called us upward in that relationship with him. And now he says, and those of you who are mature, you should think this way. But if you don't think this way, he'll help you think this way. Isn't that good news? Because let's be honest. It's a good sermon to say. It's a hard sermon to live. Okay, if everybody who's mature say, God, do whatever you want to do, just get me on mission. Everybody who's mature say, God, do whatever you want to do, but help me love you more. Can you pray that prayer? Yeah, of course. Except for when, the world, when your world falls apart. Right? And the text is not saying that Christians ought to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. That Christians need to try harder, dig deeper, and get singularly focused. What the Apostle Paul says, I'm not there. That's my target. But let me tell you, everybody who's mature, pray, God, make us a powerful witness in dark days for Jesus Christ. Everybody pray, deepen my relationship with you. But let's also say this. If you don't find it easy to pray that prayer, he'll reveal it to you. Isn't that kind and merciful? What we're actually told is from beginning to end, the Holy Spirit's going to help you. God tracked you down and apprehended you in Christ. And so, you know, he's just saying, how, how far have you got? Anybody perfect here? It's like, I want to pray for you, right? Nobody's perfect here. Now, however far you are, he says, don't go backward. Don't go backward. And you know what? This is the danger. That's not, a, that's not a throwaway phrase. One of the things about COVID is that you could go backwards. You could forget what you already know. You could start thinking that your finances are your responsibility. Remember we prayed, give us this day our daily bread when we did the Lord's Prayer? We can forget that pretty easy, can't we? We can start going backwards and say, you know what? I am so angry with how unjust, sinful, and clueless the world is. Anybody sinned in their political thinking? Right? Have you ever found yourself, your attitude being a little off? Wives, can I talk to you about your husbands? 
Husbands, can I talk to you about your wives? Kids, can I talk to you about your parents? Parents, can I talk to you about, you know, did school go the way you wanted it to go? Man, isn't it great the sun came out today? I did not think we would get this much sunshine. But you know what? When life doesn't go the way you want it to go, and you feel like you could go backwards, what he says is fall on your face, seek the Lord, he will help you. You might not be able to say everything that was said in this text by Paul, but God will show you in time. He will reveal to you that nothing ever was out of his hand. Nothing ever was out of his hand. So I'm going to read to you from a blog I read this week. Where's Melissa? Is Melissa around here? Are you hiding, Melissa? I thought I saw you earlier. She's going to hide on me. So Melissa, um, Melissa Weiss has a blog. She, and, and the beauty of her blog that she wrote this week was, um, that it, the title of her blog this week was, It's Okay Not to Be Okay. It's okay not to be okay. So I'm going to read you the last part of her blog, and then you can talk to her. I can direct you later. But she says, when, w- when we feel like we're failing, we almost always want to try to fix it ourselves. We try to do better. We try to practice religion and follow the rules to make ourselves feel okay and to feel good. But we're never good enough. But Jesus, she says, capital letters, exclamation point, Jesus is enough. He loved us first while we were yet sinners, and he loves us now. And when we're not okay, when we don't have it all together, he died for us and for our sins. He loves us because we're his, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will give us the strength and the power to make it through and even to see joy in the midst of the mess. It's okay not to be okay, and I hope you can allow yourself to hear that and truly believe it today. Isn't that great news? It's okay not to be okay. Because Jesus is Lord. Because you belong to him if you put your trust in him. He's got a plan and a purpose in the midst of it all. And he who has begun a good work will do what? He'll bring it to completion. He's faithful. Faithful is he who has called you, Thessalonians says. It's one of the verses you should always have in your head. Faithful is he who has called you, and he will do it. Can you repeat that? I'm going to get, he will do it. Say it. He will do it. Who's going to do it? Jesus will. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we, um, excuse me, sorry, Mike, I'm going to interrupt my prayer. Can we, no, can we redo the song we sang before? Does that throw you guys too off? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to the end of this service I am sure there are many people who did not want to come here today there are many people Heavenly Father who struggle with just the up and down the ins and the outs the unsettledness of these times and Father we want to say with the Apostle Paul that that it's okay because we want to know you we we believe you've called us we're running the race we're forgetting what lies behind we're not there yet but we're on the go. We want to thrive like Paul, but often, Father, we, we don't feel like we're thriving. But I thank you, Heavenly Father, that Jesus paid for our not thriving. 
that Christ died for our struggles and our fears and in our anxieties, and that he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit would help us in our weakness. So, Father, would you help us in our weakness today? Would you show us Jesus reigning as King and Lord over all, Lord over COVID, Lord over the economy, Lord over my singleness, Lord over my sorrow, Lord over my grief, Lord over my lonely loneliness, dear God? Would you let me see Jesus at work, holding me, drawing me near, empowering me, opening up my heart to testify that he is worth it all. Oh, Jesus, come. Change my heart. Show me the way. Help me. Help me when I'm tired. Help me to trust you. Oh, we thank you, dear God, for your great mercy towards us. And you never let us go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were able to seek, savor, and share the all-surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to find out more about our church, submit a prayer request, watch previous sermons, go to www.waterbrook.church. Have a blessed week.